Hello, hello, hello. Hey, hey, hey. No, I can't do that. Hi, hi, hi. Hello, hello. <clears throat> hey, Eric. Hey, Will. What's going on? Not much. Uh, kind of late. What's up with you? I'm late. Yeah. It's been like, what, two years? Has it really? Yeah, man. I haven't slept since you left. But you look good. You haven't been crying or anything. I've been crying. But I appreciate you saying that I look good. I lost a little bit of weight, so. Well, um, it shows. <laughs> thank you. I was about to start recording. Is it okay to ask you some questions? Yeah. What is this for? Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Lit to Lens podcast. I'm your host, Will, and I'm with my esteemed colleague, friend, mentor? That sounds right. Eric. And if it's not right, then it will be right. It will be At right. some point. Yeah. yeah. We'll figure that out. I always felt like a little Let's take that off air. <laughs> we'll talk about it later. Yeah, yeah. We're back, people. Um, we're back, and we're, we're better than ever, I would say. Yeah. We'll th- they'll find out, It's though. a hello, hello, hello again. Yeah. yeah. So here at the Little Lens Podcast, it's a podcast where people discuss the book and its movie adaptation. Um, and it's also a safe place for people who love the book better than the movie. That's important. We're here for you. Yes. Because they don't have any support. No. Yeah, they have nowhere to go. It's cold out there. They're looking for shelter. <laughs> it is cold out there, actually. And they're finding it in their ears. Come to us, people. Yes. So this is our first episode of season five. What are we going to be doing this season, Eric? This season, we are doing classic science fiction, Will. I know oh. this is a topic near and dear to your heart. It is. As a science fiction guy. I myself am not a classic science fiction aficionado. You will be. But through the power of this podcast, yes, I will be. Um, we are, like previous seasons, pairing one of our episodes with a new release, which is why today's episode, we're going to be talking about The Invisible Man. Um, it's a new movie that just came out this weekend. In future episodes, we're going to be talking about Solaris and A Hitchhiker's Guide to a Galaxy. Plus, there will be a little bonus episode with some good, fresh content that we're not divulging at this time. We're not at, li- at liberty to talk about yeah, it Yeah, but we have a cool guest. Yeah. Suffice it to say that. So, be excited and yeah. be ready. So, before we get started, um, delving into the, all the issues and details of the book... In the film, I want to give everybody a little uh, fast facts. So the book is titled The Invisible Man, obviously. Uh, the author was H.G. Wells, uh, published 1897. The movie, directed by Lee Wannell. Is that how you pronounce it? I think it's Warnell. Is it Warnell? Is there an R in there? I don't see one in our Google Doc, but well, we're going to call him Lee Wannell. I think it's a woman. No. Are you sure? We're going to figure it out later, guys. <laughs> Stars uh, Elizabeth Moss, and then Oliver Jackson Cohen, and then Aldous Hodge. And it was release date was this Friday, February 28th, 2020. So HG in, H- in HG Wells stands for Hubert, or I'm sorry, Herbert George. Herbert George. He's a great Brit. He's, that's like the most British name I've ever heard. And I, I do want to circle back. It is Lee Wenell, and it is a man. 
So it is a man. Okay. Sorry to sorry to ruin. <laughs> everybody, everybody probably turned it off by now. Like, well, who are these people? Like, messing up. These Give us guys. like five more minutes. I promise you, it'll. Yeah, you know, it's been a while. It's been two years. So give us a little bit of yeah. a break here. Um, let's get back on track. So the Little Lens reintroduction. Um, this is a relaunch, essentially. Yeah, I, I wanted to talk about this for a couple of you know minutes, sentences, string together some thoughts here. Um, previously, we had sort of an unformed conversation. We would record it in our basement, and it would be like a gas, you know, an hour, forty-five minutes to an hour. Um, this time around, we wanted to, I think, organize things a little bit differently. So mm-hmm. now we have a show outline. I know a lot of podcasts do that. That seems like a good idea, so we decided to do that too. Um, and we also wanted to be a little bit more specific in how we talked about the adaptation and the adaptation process. So I, in my spare time, do a little bit of writing. Um, so I'm putting on my writer, screenwriter hat to say, if I was given this book, you know, how would I go about adapting it? So thinking through the mechanics of an actual adaptation a little more than we maybe had done in the past, Plus, we're trying to be a little bit fun. Trying to be a little funnier. Yeah. Wrote some jokes for you guys. Yeah, we heard that the previous iteration of the podcast was not that funny. Although those people were also who said that are not fun. Yeah. So, so we're going to try a lot harder to be funnier. Yeah. Which is really like the way to be funnier. You just try way harder. Yeah, yeah. And then people That's what people laugh. love. Yeah. yeah, they love try yeah, hards. Try hards. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, um, before we get into it, I have a little game for us. It's called Two Truths and a Lie. Everybody knows this game. They know how to play. It's pretty self-explanatory. I'm going to say two truths, one lie. You have to guess which one is a lie. Are we ready? Yes. So don't tell me which one is a lie before. Are you sure? Okay. I didn't didn't know research for this episode because I knew we were playing this game. That's how prepared I am for this podcast. Listen, people, we're back and we're better than ever. Yes. Okay, first one. First item. The film has already outgrossed its budget. Of seven million dollars. H.G. Wells, his first wife, was also his cousin. Okay. Gwyneth Paltrow declined the lead role in this film because she didn't want to bring back the memories of her time with Harvey Weinstein. Oh. These run the gamut from like positive to not not what you want to hear. Not positive, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so the first one, this movie already outgrossed its budget and today is saturday so we're recording this on saturday the movie came out yesterday friday mm-hmm. i got my date straight there you go um so i could believe that if this like i feel like horror movies are typically cheaper mm-hmm. so call this like a 10 million dollar movie maybe less possible okay. possible um hg wells noted lothario wouldn't put it past him to have relations with a blood relative, <laughs> no matter how far from his... Uh, Can we stop for a second and please describe to me what a Lothario is? He's just a uh, a, a, a full-blooded male. <laughs> is that like an alpha male? No, he's just a uh, ladies' man. Oh, a ladies' I man. I believe that's how... You can just say ladies' man? That yeah, well, I wanted to say... <laughs> so if he was half I wanted to give you, no, like a, a, a cleaner picture of what I, I was see. saying. Well, yeah. you're right. We're trying to be more PG this time. Yeah. So everyone knows that about H.G. Wells. Yeah, everybody knows that. Um, so are you saying that one's true? So I feel like that one's probably true. Okay. And then the Gwyneth Paltrow. I don't know. I know that she doesn't really act anymore. She's got that Goop Lab show on Netflix. 
The what? There's a she, you know how she's got that lifestyle brand called Goop. Yeah. Oh, is that what it's called? Goop. I yeah. saw she has a podcast and like a lifestyle thing. I didn't know there was a show as well. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Like Goop Laboratories, maybe. Oh. Goop Factory. I'm getting this wrong. Sorry. The listeners probably know. She can come on our podcast and figure it out for us. Yeah. If she's willing. Um, well, she, Shakespeare in Love is not a book, but Shakespeare is a writer, so the shoe fits. <laughs> um, so I know she's not really acting anymore. So that one, I think, to me feels true they all feel true so now i'm now i'm just totally <laughs> you gotta lost. pick one false one lie excuse me i'm gonna go with the first one i'm gonna say it hasn't outgrossed its budget after two days that might have been too long but you were incorrect sir the uh the film has already outgrossed its budget its budget was seven million dollars it is as of this morning uh grossed 9.8 million dollars and we were a part of that we were yeah so Part of history. And yes, it is true, listeners, that uh, Herbert... George. George Wells did, in fact, marry his cousin. They only were married for three years, but it's still a fact and it still happened. So we've come a long way since 1891. You know, I wonder if, like, is cousin marriage common at that point in time? <laughs> you don't have the answers. I'm not Your face sure. Tells me you don't have the answers. I don't know, but it's. it's probably, I'm gonna say it's not good. I'm gonna. I'm good. gonna put my foot down and say don't do that. <laughs> I'm gonna. I will say that it. I will take a wild guess and say that it was more accepted, or more. It would have to be because common. he is like it a really be. famous writer. That's yeah. Everybody knows. But he couldn't marry somebody else. You said he was a what? What was his? A, a Lothario. Lothario. Yeah. I mean, he must have had. He's a great lover of people. He's full things. bodied. Yeah. Full blooded. Excuse me. He looks like a president body. if you look at his Wikipedia oh, image. Yeah. I was showing you this yesterday. Yeah, he He's looks got like a, a great mustache. Like if you told me that's what Grover Cleveland looked like, I would say yeah. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> that's actually pretty accurate. I like that. And then. Gwyneth yeah, Paltrow. and then the Gwyneth Paltrow. No, that was when I decided to throw in at the last minute oh. because. Um, was she supposed to be in this movie? No, she wasn't supposed to do anything ever <laughs> so yeah that's my game um i like lost so you're over one okay we'll, we'll we should keep, keep track tally. of these we yeah. should keep track of these keep a tally because um, i'd like to know how how bad i am or how excellent i am i would also like to know that yeah it's it's more like personal it's like personal like, stats yeah like you'd be first team all state yeah i need to build myself two up. truths one lie yes we're gonna take a quick break okay here's a word from our sponsors Chapter 17. The Siege of Kemp's House. Kemp read a strange missive, written in pencil on a greasy sheet of paper. You have been amazingly energetic and clever, this letter ran, though what you stand to gain by it I cannot imagine. You are against me. For a whole day you have chased me. You have tried to rob me of a night's rest. But I have had food in spite of you. I have slept in spite of you. And this game is only beginning. The game is only beginning. There is nothing for it but to start the terror. This announces the first day of the terror. Port Burdock is no longer under the Queen. Tell your Colonel of Police and the rest of them. It is under me, the terror. 
This is day one of the year of the new epoch, the epoch of the Invisible Man. I am Invisible Man the first. To begin with, the rule will be easy. The first day, there will be one execution for the sake of example, a man named Kem. Death starts for him today. He may lock himself away, hide himself away, get guards about him, put armor on if he likes. Death, the unseen death, is coming. Let him take precautions. It will impress my people. Death starts from the pillar box by midday. The letter will fall in as the postman comes along, then off. The game begins. Death starts. Help him not, my people, lest death fall upon you also. Today, Kemp is to die. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed uh, the word from our sponsor. That was a great. That was a great message. It was a great ad. Yeah, I endorsed the product wholly. But now that we're back, let's talk about the book adaptation. Yeah. How do we do it? What do we do? Eric, if you're given this assignment, how do you go about adapting it? Yeah, I think for something like this, you read it and you look for things that translate to the screen. I think a lot of times when we read a book, we think about what we like about it. And it's not always something that makes a good movie. So, for instance, if you were to read a literary fiction, a work of literary fiction, and it's like very much in the main character's head, mm-hmm. that sort of doesn't translate well to film because that's not a visual. Right. That's not visual, right? right? That's just thoughts. So you can do that in voiceover, but a lot of people don't. That's not always effective, mm-hmm. like an effective way to write a movie. Right. Right. So to draw back to like our season, classic sci-fi. The thing about classic sci-fi is that like it's all on the page and it's all science, it's all like hard fact. Yeah. And that stuff I think works really well. Yeah. It's usually typically all action. Yeah, right? yeah all action, all plot, yeah. all just like science. Right. So, if you want so so talking about the invisible man, like I, I think you just start with the invisible man. Mm-hmm. Like how do you make a movie about the invisible man? You put a fucking invisible man <laughs> In the movie, but you can't it has see to be there. It's you in the title. Him, it's got to be there. I want to talk about that actually, <laughs> but I think if you don't have the Invisible Man, you just don't have the movie. Right. Um, what I liked about the book is that he has clear motivation. At least I thought it was clear. Mm-hmm. We talked yesterday about. Yeah, I and, thought it was less clear. Yeah. So in the book, to me, he. I guess we'll talk. Let's 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 break it out. Yeah. So the Invisible Man becomes invisible in the book because he's interested in optics mm-hmm. and physics and finds a way to make himself invisible. Right. The book goes into great detail about like the science behind yeah. how Over he does it. Head. Yeah. He actually uh, gets a cat, right? He finds a stray cat and makes the cat invisible. That's how he like for his first test subject. Yeah. Pig or whatever. Yeah. And so after he becomes invisible, his quest is to, become visible again Mm -hmm. like i think he realizes quickly that being invisible has benefits but it has a lot of drawbacks Mm -hmm. chiefly you're just naked and it's cold (laughs) and it's wet and some people like to be naked but not when it's cold and wet and maybe not all the time it sort of predates the naked and afraid show oh wow but just if all those people were invisible interesting yeah but if you're walking on a dirt road or through grass or whatever yeah it's gonna hurt and it's gonna make you visible so that's true like the benefits of being invisible are lost because you sort of need to be covered and clothed Mm -hmm. and whatever yeah 
to be able to terrorize people, I right. guess. But with the book, like he has a very clear motivation, which is to reverse his condition. Right. Um, and I think if you're looking to translate that, like starting with motivation is good. You don't have to create anything. Right. You know, the character has a mission and you can fill, you can fill around that with plot. Mm-hmm. But if you have the driving factor, I think that's like nine tenths yeah. of the battle. I think maybe for me when I was reading it, I didn't get that clear of a, an indication because it took so long in the book to get to that point. Like the first half at least is like him just terrorizing people. And he's invisible. At first he has like a mask, right? And yeah, he's, he's clothed. He's clothed. He's, wearing like he's a trying coat. to blend in with society, I guess. And we don't really know, you know why he's at this uh, coach and horses, this little inn yeah. in England. Um, and everybody's like, what the heck is wrong with this guy? Why does he have like toilet paper or bandages around his face? Like, why is he wearing these weird blue goggles? Yeah. He seems like he's disfigured. Yeah. So people are like really freaked out by him. And it, it's like that throughout the whole first half, I'd say. And then you kind of get more of his backstory. He tells you his backstory. Yeah. So explain this. Uh, so in the middle of the book, right? Yeah. In the middle of the book, we spend like a third of the book, maybe, just in conversation. So the passage to open this section of the podcast, I read a letter that he writes to this guy, Kemp. Mm-hmm. And before that, he runs into Kemp, who used to be his professor, I think, back yeah. when he was a student. Something like that. And because that, you know, he's a man of science as well, Kemp is, he could tell him how the invisibility happened manifested and he might find like a sympathetic ear right but we spend so long just being like here's what i did here's how the science happened here i tried it on a cat it worked it felt like a good 30 pages or so yeah it's probably less really long it felt long so like in the middle of a book that's moving forward we've taken so much real estate and plopped it before the book begins Mm -hmm. that makes sense Mm -hmm. it's like we're we're moving and then we're just like er Nope. Yeah, flash, a, flash all the way back. Yeah, flashback, and we're in the flashback for a long time. Yeah, and then we are brought back to the present. Yeah, eventually, is that like a? In your opinion, is that like a, a useful story arc or a useful like narrative structure? So maybe useful. Is the I, wrong think it, word, I think I think it is useful. What I what I didn't think worked about it, um, and talking about like a- adapting that part mm-hmm. is there's no he doesn't really have like a. There's no why. He there's no he, there's no reason he made himself invisible. Right. He just sort of wanted to do it, so he did it, mm-hmm. and then he needs to reverse it. So right. that's a motivation. But like to get invisible, he was just like, oh, you know what? I figured I could do it, so I just did it. Yeah. Where if you contrast that to the movie, the invisible man in the movie has a very specific reason for becoming invisible, mm-hmm. and that like fills the movie with a little bit. Like it raises the stakes, it like increases the dread, the I tension. See what you're saying. Yeah. But in this book, that's not how it is. Right. He's just trying to reverse it, and in doing that, he like runs into all these people, and like very strangely murders, beats people up, and and he like talks about angry. how much he enjoys it. Yeah, he's yeah. a psychopath. He's officially a psychopath. Yeah, I didn't like reading this book. I would not have thought. I I was like, why does he need to be a psychopath? Yeah. And I think Kemp says at one point like. Why don't you just publish your findings? Right. You're invisible. That's cool. Yeah. You should write a book about it. Yeah. Like, hey, this is how I became invisible. Right. Do something good. So I think this book is categorized as like horror sci-fi. Although I wasn't really, I didn't feel scared 
You know what I mean? Like reading it or like really yeah. afraid of the character. Um, just sort of unhinged. I feel like it would have been better served if like he was more the author, sorry, the reader would be more sympathetic towards the main character. Have him be like, like it was a, a great accident. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. Um, and he's trying his best to like reverse it. Um, that would have made, I think for a better, more interesting story. I don't know, just from my perspective. Yeah. But... Because it wasn't an accident. He just, like, did it because he felt like... Yeah. Or maybe he was interested in doing it, and then... But he's kind of, like... I think H.G. Wells is trying to make him into this, like, monster type, right? Yeah. In the in the book. Um, I didn't really get that sense, but I could see, like, where he was going with, like, the, the Reign of Terror, or whatever it was called. I can't remember. The, yeah. The Days of Terror. Um, but anyways, back to the adaptation. Yeah, so I think talking about invisibility the thing with invisibility is that it's always gonna work like being invisible in 1897 when this book comes out Mm -hmm. that's you know i think we're probably in the middle of the industrial revolution so science Mm -hmm. is like gaining steam Mm -hmm. and it'd be easy to say like oh you know what's next like being invisible there's so much tech that's coming out Mm -hmm. wouldn't be cool if we just lost our like visibility whatever right Right. but that's invisibility is not real so today it'd be just as wild Right. If someone became invisible. Yeah, that's true. So if you were to make this modern, like the movie did, like the invisibility part to me... It's still scary. It's still, yeah, it's still scary. It still yeah. works. It's never going to stop. Until we figure it out. Yeah, it's like a flying car. Like Until we have something... To it's, compare it against. Yeah. Yeah. It's always going to be cool. Yeah. I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then you brought up, which I think is a good point, like because of the invisibility he can never really be the main character of a movie. Yeah. Because you can't see him. Right. And if you can't see him, he, you can't be a lead character in a movie. Right. It's like a, it's a catch-22. Right. <laughs> the Invisible Man can't star the Invisible Man. Right, unless he was talking all the time, which he probably wouldn't be. It would be in voiceover. Yeah, or, it could be, I guess, yeah, the, like, narration, right? Yeah. So then you get into, like, a weird realm where he's narrating the whole thing. And there are movies that do that. Yeah. Rather successfully, but... But you, don't, like you wouldn't you see him on the screen... Right, yeah. So you wouldn't exactly. know his what he's doing. Right. And if you were to do that, you'd make him wear clothing, mm-hmm. and then he's not... Not invisible anymore. The invisible man. Right. So you sort of lose <laughs> that part of it. Right. So you sort of have to make him the secondary character in a movie. Yeah. Like this film does. Like this movie does. Yeah. Which I, so I think that was done successfully. Okay. So what from the book has absolutely has to make it into the film for you? Well, besides the invisible man. What's that's our client. Um, I think that the science mm-hmm. is important. Um, the issue Wells tries very hard to ground the invisibility in. I mean, it sounds it sounds good. Yeah, I don't it's, know. It's not about bullshitted. It. Yeah. I mean, he he spends like five, six, seven pages. Yeah. Just talking about like optics and how the light refracts and, and reflects yeah. and is absorbed and right whatever. Um, so it sounds good. Like, oh, okay, what if you could just reverse how our skin pigment, like, absorbs light? Right. You know? Yeah. Like, why is a banana yellow? yellow. Right. Because that how the light falls on it. Well, right. why can't we just be colorless? Clear, yeah. Yeah. Right. So, to me, like, that's a really successful part of the book, and I think why it endures, people are really interested in the science. So I think if you're going to make an Invisible Man movie, you have to bring that with you. Right. Right. You can just have an invisible guy and have no idea why it's invisible or have no explanation for it. Yeah. Right. I think I think you could do that, but it's not. It wouldn't be in the Invisible Man. Right, yeah. I think that's what people respond to. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
which I think we'll probably touch on as we go through this season. Mm-hmm. Like, I think a lot of these works of sci-fi, especially after a certain period of time, are really grounded. Yeah. It's not it's not fantastical. Right, right, right. And it's maybe that's how we opera. that's how we like divert from fantasy and yeah. sci-fi. But yeah, space operas to me are like the fantasy section of like sci-fi. Yeah. So we just like Star Wars. Would that be fantasy? Yeah, that would be yeah, essentially like, like a space an epic opera fantasy like or something. Yeah. There's a new one on they call the Expanse, which is now on Amazon, but it was on Sci-Fi. That's like a space opera. That's like a fantasy kind of. Although there are like elements of like real science. So it'd be it, just because they don't explain the tech, or they're just like it's just. It's just so far out in the future that like you know these massive ships. They're like okay, you just like you just basically make the leap and accept that this is a reality in their world. They don't explain to you how it's built or how it. They probably explain how it maneuvers through space and stuff, but not on a degree that's like very technical. But this book, which I liked, was very hard sci-fi. Yeah. Much like a previous our first podcast, I think, with like The Martian. Yeah. Is that our first podcast? Yeah. Shout out. Child above. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had myself. <laughs> Yeah, that would be like 2015, yeah. October 2015. Yeah. So that was another book that was very hard sci-fi. And this one, um, probably to a lesser extent, maybe just because it's a shorter book, it's only like 100 and... Well, on my Kindle. Pages. Yeah, my yeah. Kindle was like 180, but like that's because Kindles are smaller. At least mine is. But um, yeah, it's a very short book, but The Martian was like 300 plus. And it was yeah. like hard, sci- hard, fi- or hard science throughout. Yeah. Um, which I think... Is that harder to do, to translate to film, hard science, as opposed to, like, a space opera? Probably not. I guess it would depend. I think if, uh, say, like, real science had caught up to it, then you're losing some of the... Like, imagine reading this in 1897 versus reading it in 1997. Yeah. Like, had they invented time travel, Mm -hmm. I think the time machine would probably be a little bit different. Yeah. Speaking of another H.G. Wells book. Right. Like, I think as long as you're not leapfrogged by reality, you'd be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, you'd have to change some things. Like, yeah. what if we could figure out how to travel through time? It'd like, probably look different. if The Martian was written in 1897 or whatever it was. Yeah. Like, people would just be like, what the hell is this even talking about? Yeah. Because it's so technical from um, just, like, all the equipment that he uses to how he figures out all the physics of, like, getting back, getting off of Mars and back on the ship and stuff. It's just, like, so out there for, like, 1897. But the interesting thing with this book is, like, it has some serious legs. Like, it's written over 120 years ago. I feel like it's very, and I don't know this to be true, but to me it feels, like, very nuanced and smart, even for, like, turn of the century. Mm -hmm. Like, think about how much you have to know to talk about this. Maybe it's just, like, you know, colors being absorbed and being reflected whatever mm, maybe that's yeah. not that complicated but if you think about like andy we are writing the martian or artemis yeah. today there's a lot of science it's impressive, so he, he could like piece it together with what's available mm-hmm. quickly maybe through like internet mm-hmm. i think if you're a writer of these books you're probably like all over google yeah for or sure. like lexus nexus or whatever you're right. interviewing people, people. Yeah. that's probably what issue well said he probably interviewed like, like futurists or yeah. scientists yeah yeah i would imagine unless he was just that smart he knew all the stuff anyways, physics and biology. And this is why the ladies love H.G. Wells. He's just at house parties talking about invisibility. Lothario. Yeah. Um, I, I, another thing that I would want to take away from this book if I was adapting it is this like dread 
just the terror. I mean, the terror is like really present in the book in a way that I wasn't really prepared for mm. before I went into this. But it makes so much sense. And it's like there's an invisible person that is creepy. That yeah. is scary. It's very scary. Yeah. You don't know where he is. Yeah. What he's capable of. I did like how the book got into like his regrets a little bit. They kind of touched on like his psychological and mental health well-being um, where he did regret it and he was kind of grappling with this power essentially. Yeah. That's not really touched on. In the movie, which we'll talk about later. But I thought that is one part of the book I did enjoy. And that's kind of... Um, like ruminating on his actions? or Yeah. And that's something you could definitely adapt into a film. They just didn't yeah. do it here for you know reasons that we'll get yeah. into. But like being lonely. Yeah. It's so lonely to be invisible. It's, yeah. Can't have a girlfriend when you're invisible. No, that's true. God, that'd be tough. That would be very tough. Maybe it'd be better. Unless you had a serious she, she personality. She might prefer that. <laughs> just never see you. Yeah. Yeah, what, what kind of personality do you need to be an <laughs> invisible boyfriend? Um, is there anything else you want to touch on for the adaptation? No, I um, I don't think so. I I think it's probably smart, like we mentioned, like you can't really lead a movie with an invisible character. Yeah. So mm-hmm. <laughs> having that as your greatest hurdle. Yeah. You got to ramp up the creativity. You got to be creative. for sure, for sure. So the lead the lead of an invisible man movie is never going to be the invisible man. <laughs> He's never going to be a leading man in Hollywood. Let's just put it that way. Well, yeah, no. Well, um, before we get to our next section, which we'll be talking about the uh, movie to book section, we have a little game. It's called Guess the Review. So the way it works is that I'm going to read a review, and you're just going to guess if it is from the book, somebody reviewing the book, or somebody reviewing the film. Got it. Are you ready? I am ready. This is easy enough, right? Yeah. Are they all written in 1897 language? They might be. It's going to be very... You have to wait to find out. I don't even know how to describe that kind of language. Old English? Old American? Yeah. Ye, <laughs> ye old. Ye old. All right. Um, first one. Quote, the plot has more holes than a brimming pincushion. A burning pincushion? Brimming. Brimming. I don't even know what that means. I guess a pincushion that's f- full of pins? I don't know what brimming so, means, so... It's got to be a hole. It's got to be that. Yeah. Yeah. The plot has more holes... I don't think the movie has a lot of plot holes. So I'm going to say this is the book. Incorrect. <sighs> movie. Wendy Shreve um, of Featuring Film. Wow. Magazine, I guess? Or Wendy. probably just a blog. Yeah. Okay. But Wendy did not enjoy it. Another one. Quote, weird story. I like this. This is like an Amazon review. <laughs> Five stars. Weird story. Did not care for. Would, would read again. Weird story. Uh, book. Correct. Uh, the guy's name was Crime Addict Sifat. So I don't know if that means that he... So was this like a Goodreads review? To, this is from Goodreads, yeah. Oh, so his like name this. is Crime Addict Sifat. I don't know if that means that he's like... Addicted, addicted to, to crime? committing crime? Yeah, let's or assume that. Addicted to reading crime? Uh, we might have to watch out for him. Okay. Third one. Quote... I'm addicted to committing crimes. <laughs> I'm going to the grocery store. Like, I just need these M&Ms. You don't understand. <laughs> Sorry. That's good. Quote. No. That feels like a Goodreads. Correct. Okay. <laughs> Who said that? That's how many O's? Uh, his name is Adam. Adam. Six O's. Okay. I counted. Well, um, do you do you have the star of that? It was a. These are all one stars. Oh, okay. These actually are all negative reviews because I find those are more entertaining. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then the last one. 
Quote, the Invisible Man is not entertainment. It's merely a domestic violence showcase for masochists. Well, that's that's got to be the movie. Got to be the movie. Because I would I would say that this movie is very into the domestic like troubles yeah. at play. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Damn, I didn't even think of that. That's well. probably a bad one to put for this quiz. I just loved his quote so much. It's so unbelievably negative and it's almost like he's he's hurt by the movie. He's like sensitive to the movies. I don't know. Who's that? Anyways, Who, who's that quote by? His name is Armand White from, oh. from the National Review. Do you know who that is? Yeah. yeah. He this guy hates every movie. Oh, does he really? He re- yeah. He's like a very famous negative person. Oh, well. I'll be review, looking at his reviews in the future. You probably should. Great. You're probably not going to enjoy I them. I mean, it's a great review. I kind of think the job of the critic is to be like pro-movie. Just like go into it being like, I want to like this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's good about be it? Be positive about it. Yeah. This guy is the opposite. I think he hates everything. He's like George Poor Strait, Armand. you know? Poor Armand. I hate everything. Well, shout out to Armand White. No, we're not shouting him out. <laughs> this is a very anti-Armand White podcast. Um, come so on, we- LTL, Armand White. Yeah, come on. Give us your opinions. So before we get to our next section, uh, here's another word from our sponsor. And we're back. I hope you enjoyed... uh, that second word from our sponsor. Great stuff today. Man, we're like killing it with the ads. Yeah. Though. We're official. I can't wait to take a, a, a piece of whatever it is that people are buying, you yeah. know? Well, you know, Michael Bloomberg has been selling a lot these days. He hasn't reached out, though. I'm not sure if I don't like where this it. is going. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold Just you right gonna there. Just going to throw this out there. All right, so we're back. And um, now we're going to talk about the movie to book section. Um, of this story and talk about the actual adaptation, what we thought of it, what we thought worked, what we thought didn't work. So Eric, um, let's think about this professional adaptation. Where did Lee Wannell, Wannell? It's gotta be a Wannell, Wannell right? right? Wannell doesn't feel. Yeah. It's like flannel. It's like, not really. It feels kind of weird. Yeah. Where Fla- did he? Flannel. <laughs> I like that better. It's a French. So where did he start? I think he probably started with the horror, right? And that, I know that sounds obvious. But, I mean, this the movie is psychological horror. Yes. Ho- straight horror. Very I, much. It's not, like, extremely scary. It's very... It, like, builds tension. Yeah. The whole movie is, like, building tension mm-hmm. into the final, like, fourth. Yeah. When, like, shit hits the fan. But I think the horror. I think you, they read this book and were like, you know what this book is? It's just a horror story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of this like, monster, essentially. Yeah. yeah. And I think they smartly modernized it by saying what's relevant in 2019, 2018, 2017, 2020, whatever, mm-hmm. whenever they wrote it. And it was like domestic, yeah, like domestic concerns. Yeah. And they, I think they drew a really clear and clever parallel between like a domestic incident and what it's like to have an invisible person around. Mm-hmm. Or like what would an invisible person do in 2020? Yeah, right. They would um, just like fuck with an ex. Yes, I guess, but in <laughs> a way that's that's like way worse than just yeah. fucking with them. You know. Now this movie was um, very psychologically um, involved, 
Uh, it was psychologically manipulative, much more so than the book. The book sort of was, he's just going to go around and start terrorizing people and robbing people and fighting people. This one was much more, I think it was elevated because you have that psychological part where it's somebody that she knows, right? A former lover. And he goes through all these loops just to, like, fuck with her. And it's pretty, like, it's it's pretty crazy. Yeah. It was, I was, like, very surprised about how much I was, um, how much I liked the movie based on just that stuff was, like, it was very, like, emotional. Um, I jumped a few times. Especially, I think my biggest jump was when she kicked the, the dog's water bowl. Oh, that yeah. That was so loud. Yeah. <laughs> it killed me. And then she set off the car alarm with, like, her butt. I don't so know. So stupid. I wonder if that's that, like... So stupid. Is it that gentle? You can just hit it with your body if and If you're a off. multi-billionaire, you probably... And maybe that car is like that? Yeah, that's fair. Um, one of the things that I thought was really, really good was the way that they were able to like make it seem they like drew a parallel between like a, a domestic abuse like a abusive relationship and like how that person would feel about it mm-hmm. so like she's trying to she's like saying i guess we haven't said who's the lead but elizabeth moth mm-hmm. who's the lead cecilia mm-hmm. is saying like i'm being harassed right. and abused and it's sort of like a normal it's like he could he he could be invisible. He could be this visible. Is, yeah, this is a story we've heard before. Or yeah. Like it's very relevant, especially in this day and age. Yeah, where people it's like, do you believe me? Do you believe violence. me or not? Right. But it's just the added like this person is also invisible. Yeah, which is like oh yeah. fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so it like turns up the screws on like I don't know her mental state. Yeah. yeah. And there were there were definitely times in the movie where she says something, and it's like please don't think I'm crazy. And it's like, what she's, you believe her, right? Cause you know, the audience knows know, that she's yeah. not crazy, but you listen to what she's saying. And it's like, this sounds crazy. Like if you were in the other character's shoes, you would be like, she needs to be in an insane asylum because yeah. what she's saying makes no sense. I mean, but I think that's what is effective about the movie because you can have, you can like, because the movie does show you other perspectives. They're like, this is, mm-hmm. we know the invisible man, is there right in the movie right we know he's there in the book too but we know he's there in the movie and she knows he's there but no one can see him right so they can't they don't believe her yeah, they can't make but that in the movie. book I, I guess i have to think about it more but i don't think it's that it's not that clever it's just like the yeah. main character is the invisible man and he's just always there yeah and he's always like touching people well he sort of the difference between that is like he actually revealed himself um in the very beginning because to be odd, right? Because he was wearing these bandages, and these yeah. weird goggles, and never, like, was very. He was an asshole to everybody, essentially. Yeah. And then they realized he was invisible. Then it became this whole thing. But this guy, basically, he, Elizabeth Moss. Spoiler alert. Yeah. We're gonna get into some spoilers here. She. It's been like forty minutes, so. Here yeah. We so we 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 open in this like amazing house, right? And she's basically trying to escape. Um, trying to leave him and we found out later on she escapes successfully she found out later on um that he dies so basically find out later on that he killed himself yeah but he didn't really yeah right so he he put up this this whole um what do you call it i don't even know what a f- fraudulent front or yeah. something yeah 
where he wanted her to believe that he was dead so that he could torture her essentially for leaving him yeah and it's this whole fucked up psychological thing it's got like a super suit great yeah works great for this i feel bad for for women i mean i'm sure you know people so there are there are probably some people who've seen the movie who kind of sort of relate to this unfortunately but it sort of kind of hits home and in that respect yeah it's more believable or relatable because of that yeah which I thought was smart. Yeah. A smart little twist on the adaptation. No, I definitely agree. And I, I think they, they, they lean into the science as well. There are like, Adrian, who's the, the invisible man, mm-hmm. is uh, like a leader in optics, right? Yeah. So it's like a direct parallel. Right. It's just like a leader in optics in 2020 would, maybe he would build like a suit that just does it versus making his whole yeah. body invisible. I don't know. Right. That part, yeah. That part was interesting because we they we didn't really find that out till way later in the movie yeah. how he was become how he was invisible yeah um, but yeah that was which I I kind of I didn't mind that like, no I didn't either I like thinking that it made it more scary I guess so I guess by doing that you have to question whether or not he's real to start right like is she just True. losing her mind or not right and then when you make him real that changes your the audience's opinion. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah, you probably want to hold off on that until as long as possible, probably. Yeah. There was a lot of mystery in the movie, especially in the beginning. You're like, why is she doing all these things? Why is she packing all these things up? And you're like, oh, okay, she's leaving. And she's doing all these things. And then it's like... And he slams into the car, and you're like, okay. Yeah. Bad he, dude. He breaks the window. I'm like, yeah. By the way, what is diazepam? I know I've heard that before. I don't know what it does. I don't know. It just makes you... I don't know. Yeah, we should probably look that up. But anyways, so so this was obviously a pretty loose, right, would you say? Definitely, yeah. I mean, modernized, like, you know, it's, adaptation. Not, it's not a costume drama. I think it would be very easy to make this a costume drama. Mm-hmm. Just like, well, we're in 1800s, and you're holding on to vials of liquids and holding on to these giant textbooks. Right. could be very Harry Pottery, or it could be like a comment on men. Abuse of men. Yeah. So, I was going to ask you, do you think this could potentially be made into a play? The the book, sorry, not like a reimagined film version. Or reimagining of the film, excuse me. I don't know. Probably not, right? How would you make the... Invisible man. Invisible, yeah. You have to wear clothes. Yeah. And maybe you save it for like one scene where he like disrobes yeah. and it they can figure out a way to make it look okay for like five seconds. Yeah. He like disrobes and he's like not there, or he yeah. like falls through. Oh yeah, falls like through a, a trapdoor or whatever. Kind of, yeah. That's the only thing I can think of, but I think it, the gimmick would it'd be very gimmicky. Yeah, for sure. We need a Lin Manuel right now on that one. You make it a musical. So shout out. Yeah, the Johnny Depp version is probably a musical. <laughs> we can get Shia to star probably. I don't know if he could sing. Shia can sing. Okay. <laughs> um. So, in your opinion, was it a successful adaptation? Yeah, for sure. Um, we talked about, after the movie yesterday, whether or not the brother's motivations made like a ton of sense. Because mm-hmm. I think the brother is like a key character in this movie. His Some of his actions like are like ex- extremely important. Mm-hmm. And he there's a twist related to his character Mm -hmm. and I don't know that I was fully like there with his twist. I'm with you. The, the, the twist 
where he basically it's like the oh my god what's it called the in the story arc structure the climax thank you yeah that's anyways um yes the climax well it was so stupid um that part where he is revealed to be the one who is wearing the suit yeah yeah we were talking about it after the movie like what is his motivation for this yeah and we couldn't come up with anything really solid um unless the brother had something hanging over him which wasn't revealed during the movie because he basically would have known I'm going on a suicide mission or I'm going to be arrested for my brother. Yeah. So he can get back with. Cause his brother uses Elizabeth that. Moss. Uses the brother's. Adrian uses his brother's death to become innocent. Right. So the brother has to know that he's going in to die. Right. Exactly. Cause that's the only way that his Adrian can become innocent. Yeah. Unless he's super loyal. Yeah. Or just dumb, which he doesn't seem to be either kind of. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was unclear. That was definitely unclear. But it didn't ruin my appreciation of the movie. Yeah. The movie's meant to scare you and like have a good story, and it definitely did both those things. Yeah. Um, and it sets up a very rewarding ending. Yeah. Because you want ultimately you want to see like new fangled like learned Elizabeth Moss. Yeah. Face to face with Adrian. Yeah, for sure. Which they one do at the one. end. Yeah. yeah. I so. Yeah. It was a great ending. Did you notice a very like last shot? They held on her face for like. A long time like 30 seconds or something like it, it just seemed way too long but it was also like a you know an empowerment thing i guess yeah but it was good she's like it was just like dang how long are we gonna, are we gonna hold on her face for like another minute here that's what goes on the oscar reel oh, it's like her emotions like bubbling under her <laughs> face you know i will say that she's a she's a very good actress yeah and she didn't have a great supporting cast i will say uh aldous Hodge. Hodge. Yeah. Thank you. You want to talk winners and losers? Yeah. Are you ready? I'm ready. So. <laughs> you, you go. You go. Ahead. <laughs> so one of my winners of the movie was Aldous Hodge's triceps. Because there's one scene where I believe he's talking to Elizabeth Moss's character. Yeah. And he's like leaning over this table and his arms are basically stretched all the way out against the, cha- against the table. And it's one of the most distracting things. It's the most distracting thing in the shot. Or just his, his massive triceps. Yeah. It's not even... Like, his arms are big, but it, his triceps, specifically, yeah. are mammoth. They're enormous. Like, it... Yeah. It's like two-thirds of the shot is just tricep. Yeah. That's I don't... It. Yeah. I it's, don't see how they were like, hey, a little less tricep on that one? Like, how did nobody else see, like, this is distracting? This is, like, distracting me from the story. Especially if you're a woman, you're like, oh my god, he's like, this triceps are amazing. Or a very gay man, you know, whoever. Yeah. So my winner is actually Aldous Hodge's personal trainer. Oh, wow. That guy, <laughs> he created these triceps. Man. He 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 probably got a lot of uh, a lot of calls after that. Yeah. Or will get a lot of calls after that. You just go to his, like, office and it's just, like, tricep pictures. That's it. It's just <laughs> not, not even the arm. Just, just the tricep. What do you think his, like, catchphrase is? All tries, no buys. <laughs> get you in movies, baby. Yeah. That's good. I like that one. What about uh, Loser? I wrote down Johnny Depp. Oh, okay. He lost by not even playing. I know you're familiar with the Universal monster. They were going to reboot the whole monster series. Yeah. And he was supposed to be the Invisible Man. Mm-hmm. And um, he's not. And uh, this movie's good. So that's that's yeah, an L. That's too bad. That's too bad. I, although I do think this... I don't know what they would have done with him as a lead character. He would have been like this, some crazy guy, right? 
could have been interesting, but I think this adaptation it's is probably better than what what he would have done. I think so too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so R.I.P. to Johnny Depp and his his career. Is he still making movies, or is he? I know he went bankrupt. Plus, he's got the whole domestic abuse like shadow or cloud, I guess, hanging over his head. So it's not really it doesn't make sense to have him in this. No. Um. My loser. Well, I had a few. So Aldous Hodge's film acting career, I think, is is probably over. <laughs> At least it should be. At least on feature films, like he sh- he should be. I don't like where this is going. He should, <laughs> I don't think I want to know. He should be on like TV, like on a NC or NCIS. Just with a badge and a gun. He would be great at that, but he just like can't really, in my opinion, my humble opinion. All right. He can't really act. Um, Both a winner and a loser. Yeah, Top. and then I feel like it's not a great look for men in this movie, but I will distinguish. That it's worse for abusive men. I won't lump all men in that category because a lot of us are not abusive. Yeah, but but men men are the loser of this movie. Yeah, that's yeah. Women are the the winner, or a winner. Yeah, and then um, Silicon Valley tech founders, I think. Yeah, they always they already had a bad rep, and this just doesn't help them. Okay, so he had a very nice house in Malibu, but you know, shitty person. So shitty person, exactly. Um, okay. So, let's get into our final thoughts. Do you, Eric, have a favorite quote? I have a favorite movie quote. Would you like to tell us what that quote is? Yeah, so I think for me, watching movies, a lot of times I like to think what I'll take from it and apply it to my daily life, Mm -hmm. just in conversation. Yeah. You know? I see it. And I think the quote in this movie that it weighs pretty heavily... It's an important quote because that's how she learned something. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something I want to use in my daily life, just when I'm behind people, at the store, in the office, uh-huh. on the subway. Just weird. Walk up behind them and just whisper, "Surprise." I don't think you should do that. So that's my answer to that question. <laughs> do you have an answer? Do you have a favorite quote? Yes, my favorite quote. Is where um, Elizabeth Moss is talking with Tom in the psychiatric ward, and she calls him a jellyfish. Oh yeah, that was weird. That was very weird. It felt like an odd choice of words. No spine. No spine. It's like okay, I get, I get it. But if you call somebody a jellyfish, if you were to call me a jellyfish, I wouldn't necessarily be like offended. I would just be more confused. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like because I'd sting you. <laughs> like it just didn't have the umph. Yeah. And the emphasis that I wanted in that moment. But that's fair. Yeah. So you're being a real jellyfish. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so surprise, that's a good one. Just don't surprise. You might get some weird looks. Yeah, I'll probably get like elbowed. Just maybe like try it a few times. Though. I should I'll say it louder. Yeah. <laughs> Just surprise. like scream it. Everyone at message is like, oh fuck. <laughs> What's this guy doing? Okay, so any moments or anything at all from either the movie or the book or the, the story in general that will stick with you. In a few years' time, like what, in five years or whatever, you look back, what it will stick out the most. Don't say Aldous Hodges triceps. Oh. Um, one of the my big scares was the scene where she goes into the attic. And oh, we yeah. hear like rustling. And then she gets a, it's in the trailer, I think. But mm-hmm. she like throws paint yeah. in the empty hole. And he's like, face is right there. Mm-hmm. And you see the weird 
like how his suit is it's like weird like geodesic yeah shape weird, or whatever like, uh, yeah yeah octagonal was, shapes like yeah that was scary that was scary that was very scary so i remember that okay. i remember that scene um i probably for me it's just elizabeth moss and like how i think in like a few years time she'll be like vaulted into like the top tier of, of yeah. actresses in hollywood yeah um she just like carries this movie basically on her back like legitimately on her back i mean there are a couple brief moments of like uh some side characters that do well like i think tom's the character tom the brother was pretty good you love that guy yeah he was good and great then mustache. also great mustache. great mustache actually it's not that good it's kind of like lousy but it's it's like good it's a good lousy it's a good lousy. Yeah. It's like good that. because it's loud. It's like kind of lazy. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. But then also her sister in the movie I thought was pretty good. Especially the, the scene she got her uh, her throat slit. That was a good scene. That was a great scene. Yeah. Um, so that's probably the one thing I'll remember about this movie at least um, the most. Hopefully she, hopefully she continues that trend. We'll see. Um, all right. So we have a new little section here called Joke Time. Where we each read each other joke time a joke, and we try to make the other one laugh. So you go first. You and me go first. Yeah. All right. Eric, what is egotistical, manipulative, and is always watching you? Otis Hodges triceps. <laughs> Good guess. <laughs> I wanted you to say the Invisible Man, <laughs> but it's actually Mark Zuckerberg on oh, Facebook. Nice. So. Little misdirection for you. Nice. <laughs> All right, you go. Um, I hope this works. So, Elizabeth Moss plays the lead in this film, mm-hmm. and I would like you to guess what her favorite song is. Of all time. Yeah, the right. character. What's her favorite song? She seems. Oh, her character, not Elizabeth Moss. Yeah. Like the person. She seems very melancholic and very. Uh, stressed out all the time so I, I was thinking um, maybe she would like something more upbeat um, something like Katy Perry so I was thinking like Teenage Dream by Katy Perry I'm so sorry Sleep, so that's my answer to that. Tonight. It's called I Miss You by Blink-182. That's pretty good. You did some research for that one. Yep. <laughs> that was where my mind went. To Where are you? I was like, I know she says that in the trailer. But she says that in the movie. <laughs> she probably doesn't necessarily miss him, but she does want to know where the hell he is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Okay, Maybe I should have okay. said best, her like, favorite lyric. Your favorite lyric, yeah, yeah. That's where good. are you? So hopefully that sounds good. The... We'll, we'll cut it. We'll cut it, chop it up, screw it, put it up. And then next time, drop it down. This episode will drop hopefully on Monday. You're listening to yeah. this in your ear holes. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, we have a uh, we're going monthly. Yep. Until further notice, monthly. Maybe we'll go bi-weekly. Oh my god! Special episodes. Who knows? <laughs> Don't get too ahead of ourselves. Yeah. We mentioned up top that we're our next book to film is going to be Solaris. 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 Potato, potato. Solaris. Solaris. <laughs> um. And we're going to shoot to have that out end of March. So if yep. you are following along at home, start reading. Start reading it. It's not that long of a book. Yeah, it's about 200 pages yeah. or so? Longer than The Invisible Man, but... Yeah, um, And then we're going to be watching the... I think it's 1967 version. Okay. The Polish... 
Or is it actually, is it Russian? I think it's Russian. It's Russian, okay. Yeah. That seems to be the one that is uh, most remembered. Highly regarded. Yeah. But I'll be watching the Clooney version as well. You're more than welcome to join me, listeners. Just because, I mean, it's Clooney, man. And Natasha McElhone, who is in Californication. I think I'm pretty busy. She's a goddess. Drake literally called her a goddess because she's a goddess. Well. I'm excited. For it. I'm excited for that one for obvious reasons. We'll, we'll be back to you. We'll get back to you on that. <laughs> okay, before we, before we close out, we have to discuss what our picks are. Yeah. So. I have you listed here first, but your name comes after me, so I'll go first. <laughs> okay. Um, and my, I already gave my answer. The, the film. The film. That's my pick. And that's your pick? That's my pick as well. Yeah. It's just, it was just more entertaining. Yeah. The book was, uh, it was fine. It was, at some t- it was, like, hard to read at some points. Yeah. Just, like, very... Yeah. Dry. Yeah. Parts and, like, confusing in others. And you're just like, why is he doing this? Right. And I feel like there wasn't enough information about the characters, the tertiary characters, to be invested. Right? Because you, you clearly are not rooting for the Invisible Man in the book or the movie, for that matter. Yeah. But, like, we don't know enough about the other characters to really, like, care about them. We yeah. know who they are. We know what their roles are. But we don't know anything about them. So... Plus, Elizabeth Moss gets to wear an invisibility costume and slice a fucking throat. Yeah, that was pretty sick. That was a, that's a great way to end the movie. Yeah, and this podcast episode. I just gotta clean up my face. Shout out to uh, our number one listener. He's always in our hearts. He's always in our prayers. We miss you, Shia. Shout out Shia LaBeouf. Tonight. Stop this pain tonight. So waste your time on me, you're all-